If you haven't heard the news this morning, Jacinda Ardern has been doing her thing touring the US. She's been in California. So the last few days, she's been on the US East Coast, and now she has flown across to California and met with Californian Governor Gavin Newsom. The two talking about internet regulation and climate change. I mean, I, you know, critics of, <laughs> of New Zealand's efforts on climate change would say we're doing a lot more talking than actual doing at the moment. California's in this unique position in that it probably is doing more than many states in the US, but it's also experiencing the effects of climate change more than uh, most states in the US. What with those crazy wildfires they seem to have every year, the massive air pollution problems. All sorts of environmental issues. Anyway, we're going to keep you up to date over the next couple of days on News Talk ZB as Jacinda Ardern continues her US tour, but certainly she is sort of held up in the liberal media over there as a paragon of positive change on the climate change front. And this morning, our eco man Malcolm Rands is here with some thoughts on actually why we're not, as a species, yet taking the climate change emergency seriously enough. Morning, Malcolm. Morning, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> most people actually, well, in New Zealand, actually know that climate change is human caused, but we're not doing much. And um, there's a story I love to tell, actually, and it's, it's told to me by my friend Michael Bramhurt, who's um, the co author of Cradle to Cravel, and that's the book that helped launch the international circular economy movement in the noughties. And he says, okay, what would happen if you take all the humans on the planet and put them in a big pile? Okay? Right. <laughs> Next to it, you take all the ants on the planet and make a pile next to it. The ant pile, believe it or not, would actually be bigger by mass. Oh. But no one says, there's too many ants are ruining the planet. No. <laughs> <laughs> they quite the opposite, you know. The, the work they do is make them probably the best circular economy practitioners in the, around. So what I'm saying here is the problem isn't too many humans, like people try to say, but our day-to-day habits. Right. And imagine one day that we get so good, and I think we could, that looking after our world, that extra humans would mean an even better planet because we're so good at doing it. Oh, see, that's interesting because I was, you know, I interviewed David Pocock a couple of weekends ago, and uh, listeners might remember him. He was the captain of the Wallabies uh, rugby team, and he's been standing for Senate. And he looks likely to win his Senate seat in the ACT in Australia. And he, he's been running on a sort of a teal platform. So he's a. Uh, you know, he's kind of like a centre-right person who supports more action on climate change is probably the best way to describe him. And um, he made a decision not to have children for climate reasons. And, I mean, I find that pretty, um, you know, like pretty remarkable and not a decision I think I would be prepared to make. But um, you are foreseeing some utopian world whereby more people would actually mean a better planet. If we change our habits, you know, like yeah. we're very clever women, and, and if mm. we just get our priorities right and, and make it something that we get endorphins every time we make the planet a bit better, then you know, and make it a drug. <laughs> so why aren't we? Let's talk through that. Why, why why aren't we at the moment? I know. Well, you know, I've tapped into the thinking of a guy called Art Markham. He's a professor of psychology. University of Texas, and he wrote in the Harvard Business Review, mm. and he says, like, if people people actually are motivated to avoid threats. Now, right, you know, there's no thing. So why is it so hard to get people to act on climate change? Mm. And he says there's four main reasons. For most people, it is a difference between long-term and short-term thinking, and this is the hardest trade-off for people uh, to make. Yeah, people, it, often, many people don't save enough money for retirement. Many people overeat 
and even smoke while knowing that in the long term this is bad for the health. Yeah. So, you know, it's part of our DNA, you know, and ignoring climate change, unfortunately, has actually short-term benefits. Yeah. One, you don't have to change any habits. <clears throat> Business can still make climate-unfriendly decisions and make more money right now. Yeah. And even the government doesn't want to upset voters around election time by making hard decisions. So yeah. they just won't make them. Yeah. No, I agree. I, 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 I 100% agree with that. Like, think about our world today. So much of it is defined by short-term incentives. Eh? Whether it's, um, you know, whether it's public exchanges, so you know, like the stock market, or whether it's our electoral cycle, or the things that most of us consider in our day-to-day lives. We are, as human beings, for whatever reason, programmed to think about the next couple of years max. Yep. Okay. Now, secondly. Climate is a non-linear problem. What do I mean by that? People are really good at making judgments of linear trends. Like mm. if you spend five bucks a day on coffee, you can figure out what impact it's going to have on your life without actually getting out a spreadsheet, you know? Mm. Good at that. Mm. But when things start slowly and then accelerate, this causes a problem because people still think in a linear way. And that's kind of going, going back to health. People have a few cigarettes a day. That's okay. It's the accumulation of years of smoking that does the damage. Yeah, right. And then suddenly things sneak up on them. Yeah. Likewise, it's been a long time and we've been hearing about women climate change without any obvious impacts of climate change. They're starting now, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Everyone goes, ah, yeah, that's a future. It's a it maybe a problem in the future, but actually the problems are only going to, the frequency of the problems are, is only going to accelerate. Exactly. Yeah. The third issue now is distance. Right. Most of the problems are happening to others far away. And research shows that people conceptualize things from a distance more abstractly than what's happening in their own neighborhoods. Mm. So it loses impact and doesn't seem as important. Mm. Okay. And fourthly, the future is actually very abstract. We don't know what happened. We no. love to live in the now, as we're saying, and maybe even we live in the past, but we don't trust what will happen in the future. No. And we're not very good at predicting it, are we? No. I mean, but some I people will it. say that's all the more reason not to worry about climate change, Malcolm. Exactly, exactly. And I've actually got a, one of my own fifth reason, which the old professor didn't come up with. Yeah. And that many, mainly men, think that we're so clever. Right. That science will come up with a get out of jail card that'll sort out all these problems. Yeah. So we don't have to do anything but wait for these clever scientists to save us. And this is quite common thinking, including among um, media commentators who are rubbish cycle lanes and other green initiatives because of this thinking. Yeah. But this is actually wistful. Or even, you could even say magical thinking, not rational at all like these black sites of things. I mean, should we keep smoking and overeating and wait for science to save us? <laughs> no, no. No, I mean, it's a... That's a balance, isn't it? Because, I, I mean, I agree. Like, I think we should be investing in um, in research. And, you know, agriculture is a great example in New Zealand, right? You know, yep. the, and we're pumping hundreds of millions of dollars into ag research to try and, you know, reduce emissions from our number one emitting industry. That being said, to rely on that, to rely on some silver bullet where we're going to be able to say, oh, you know, we've we've made some discovery that we've not made up until this point with all the incentives in the world to make it uh, in order for us to reduce our emissions. Yeah, I don't feel very comfortable with that. No, because the funny thing is we actually have all the scientific processes right now 
to actually reverse climate emergency. We can do yeah. it right now. Yeah. We just need to change our habits and put them in place. Yeah. So, so what can we do? Okay, well, this is all the. We don't want to do problem problems. Um, one recognizing the behaviour is actually a big part of the solution. You know, yeah. we a lot of us we actually can save the retirement. We can give up bad habits. You know, we can actually do this. We can stop climate change, right? Mm-hmm. And businesses can be encouraged to do the right thing through your buying behaviour and for asking for more climate friendly products you want. And even believe it or not, even politicians actually do listen to their electors. Yeah. If you time take the time to them know what is important to you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for that, Malcolm. I've been thinking quite strongly about it, and um, yeah, I tend to agree with most of those um, most of those points this morning. I think.